Hey there, hi there, ho there, all you denizens of podcast land. Welcome to the latest episode of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. Glad to have you aboard for another fun-filled frolic through the sports world. Oh, wait a minute, I forgot. Every week, politics, Hollywood, somehow get involved. So it's never a fun-filled frolic anymore like it's supposed to be. I'm tired of it. what we make of it. We're going to start off a little bit different here this week. As football season approaches, football is taking over the big headlines this week. So normally we'd be going with the boys of summer, but now we're going with the men of fall. Holy shit. Where do we even begin? Well, I would like to say, (laughs) I would like to say thank you, NFL. Thank you, Cleveland and Carolina, for actually doing something big on Wednesday instead of Thursday. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> we've got this a topic. A we've got a topic coming up in NCAA football that hit Thursday. As usual. So, first off, finally, Baker Mayfield has a new home. He is going to the Carolina Panthers, supposedly, to quote unquote compete. With, with Sam Darnold for the starting job. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, there's no no comparison between the two. If Baker Mayfield's healthy, he is the better quarterback. By far. Now, for a 2024 conditional pick, wow. At its best will be a fourth. At its worst yeah, will be fifth. a fifth. Uh, Panthers are only picking up $4.85 million of the deal. The Browns are paying 10 and a half and Mayfield to get it done consented to receive the remaining 18.8 million in incentives. Uh, I thought no 18.8 is a total contract. 3.9 million in incentives. The remainder is an incentive. The remainder. Yeah, so it's 10.5, like you said. Cleveland's okay, picking up that. Okay. Four point eight five. Carolina's picking that up, and then the remainder. The remainder of the eighteen, which is three point nine mil, is an incentive. Yeah, Mayfield converted to incentives. Okay. Yeah, if he was getting that much on top of the almost fifteen, <laughs> then we're going back to Matthew Stafford rookie money yeah, before they change the system. That's not going to happen. The interesting thing about this. Go back to the 2018 draft, and now you look at the Carolina Panthers roster. They now have the first overall pick at quarterback <laughs> and the third overall pick as backup quarterback. <laughs> wow. Ouch. What does that say about the 2018 draft? <laughs> it tells you it was not that good, kids. And I seem to remember when Darnold at USC was heralded as the favorite for the Heisman, his two years there. And all through the season, I said, this guy sucks. He's not that good. And everybody kept trying to tout him up. I said, he's going to be awful. And he showed he was not any good. And yet he still went that high. I never saw anything to warrant him as a first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times, I, I'm, there are no absolutes. There are no, there's always exceptions to the rule. But a lot of the time, and of course, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 here in a minute. But a lot of times, those Pac-12 West Coast quarterbacks, highly touted, Marcus Mariota. We go all the way back with the Bears, Decade McNown out of UCLA. A lot of times, 
those West Coast quarterbacks are much more highly touted than they should be. Oh, Very rarely far. do Carson Palmer was an exception to the rule, of course. But yeah, you had you had one guys of like the Matt Barkley. You, I mean, if you want to say Aaron Rodgers, that's fine since he came out of Cal. But it really depends. Liner wasn't anything. Liner, good, good call with Liner. It really depends on who drafts you. Do you get in the right fit, the right system, the right coach? I'm I'm pretty much convinced that 75% of these guys, if they get in the right situation, can succeed. They the can. problem is you're not getting in the right position 75% no. of the time. And ask Mitch Trubisky. The, the big, ask Justin Fields. Yeah. The biggest issue I have is the really good college quarterbacks get poo-pooed because they're system quarterbacks, which is absolute bullshit because every quarterback is a system quarterback. They're brought in for their specific skill sets to run those offenses. Why the hell can these supposed offensive geniuses in the NFL not figure out do not shoehorn a guy into your playbook. Tweak your playbook to your player's strengths. That is the failure 90% of the time. Yeah, and you know these guys when it comes to the combine, when it comes to individual workouts, they fall in love. With the skill set. Yeah. Oh, he's got a big arm. Oh, he's very mobile. Nobody uses it then. They still run their stupid ass schemes, which have nothing to do with the skills of that particular player. Yep. Now I've I've been guilty in the past of touting, like you're talking about system quarterbacks, and they failed. Like I always thought Colt Brennan was going to be a great NFL quarterback, and he never really got a shot. He he lingered around as a backup for what four or five years. Yeah, but again, nobody tailored. To his skills. Well, it's an example of what I'm saying is that he didn't get in the right system, the right fit. Now, look at going back to Carolina. Let's go back to Carolina right now. Okay, so now you've got Sam Darnold on a short-term contract. You've got Baker Mayfield in the last year of his deal. And they drafted Matt Corral. Right? Yeah. Mississippi, I believe. I think so. That poor kid, he could be the starter next year if he shows enough promise, but he's never going to see the field this year. He's no. going to have to show promise in preseason, in workouts, in training camp, because he's never going to see the field this year. But next year, they could be done with both Mayfield and Darnold, and Corral, all of a sudden, if his knee's healthy, could be the starter de facto in year two. Or they could go in a completely different direction because – he didn't get the reps to show them what he had. That's another problem right. as well. As right. you bring in, oh, let's bring in this person to back. But you quarterbacks are not developed anymore. They're thrown to the wolves, sink or swim. And if they can't hack it, they might linger as a backup and never see the field again. Develop your players. Well, so then you're what you're saying, you're you're telling me that this is a good situation for a Matt Corral. Is that it should he's be. got a year to learn. It should be if they're smart enough to do it. Right. 
Now I'm saying year two, he could get thrown to the wolves, but that's better than most. That's but better than most. At least he's sat and seen if they work with him and get him practice reps and try to develop him. Right. Yeah. And I, again, we talked about this when we talked about the draft, this year's quarterback crop is lucky in that respect in that most of them should be allowed should be able to sit and watch for a year. Even Kenny Pickett, they could throw Mitch Trubisky out there. Yeah, they can throw Mason Rudolph out there and still let Kenny Pickett learn, even though he's a first round pick. And we know how insane these owners, GMs, and coaches are now. Get him up! Get him up! Get him up! No, the fans are upset. We've got to put the rookie out there. No, you don't. Does the name Patrick Mahomes ring a bell with you? Sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Learned from Alex Smith. Learned from Andy Reid. And ended up being the de facto best quarterback in the league. And then you got everybody, oh, he had a horrible rookie year. We threw him out there and he didn't win anything, so we're done with him. We're going to find somebody else. Um, Does the name... Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning mean anything. Miserable rookie years. Miserable. And they stuck with them. They went through the growing pains developing them. There was no short leash, one and done. There was patience. And that's the freaking problem with the NF freaking L right now. No patience, yeah. Yep, you don't give these guys enough time to develop. I agree. There's your ADHD country for you in a nutshell. Yep. All right, moving on to a very serious topic. I don't know how much insight Dave and I can give you on this, but it's something we've got to discuss. Uh, we talked about the passing a few months ago, I believe, of Demarius Thomas, um, talking about Peyton Manning, one of the guys that he was throwing the ball to when the Broncos won that title, their most yeah. recent title. Died at an extremely young age, and now it turns out, again, they can only test for CTE after somebody has died. So they did the, the tests they could that they were allowed to by the family. Yeah. And it turns out, yes, Demarius Thomas, I believe, had stage two CTE or grade two. I'm not sure what they call it. Yeah, but it, it was it was serious. So then, of course, everybody's out there talking about, I don't know how you could let your kids play football with stuff like this happening. And I get it. Believe me, I get it. This is one of those topics where I can go either way. I understand the concerns. I understand the issues. I I heard a a talk show where they were discussing this, and a coach called in. A coach called in and said, there's nothing wrong with the game of football. It's the way the game of football is taught. If we taught these guys not to lead with their helmet, if we taught them how to tackle properly, something you and I have discussed for years, then we wouldn't have these kinds of traumatic brain injuries, these concussions. You wind up with more concussions in the backyard with all these suburbanites having the trampolines. That's going to be the cause of more concussions and kids playing football. And let's be honest, if anybody thinks the NFL is not flushing, I don't mean to say this in a negative term, but they're flushing hundreds of millions of dollars into research, development, better helmets, better protection. 
They're not just sitting there going, yeah, let's put the leather helmets on and let them go at it. Yeah, no, they're trying. The NFL is, and they, of course, are trying to take care of these older players, giving them all the health care they need up until the end of days for them. Yeah. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it, but it's a better deal than almost all of us get. So. Hands down. You have that other side to consider, too. These guys are gambling. Yes, they make tons of money. And yes, it's less than 1% of guys from college and another less than 1% of guys from high school to college. We get the trickle down and the numbers are very, very small in terms of the ones that make a lot of money. It's a high risk, high reward occupation. And there are many of them out there and it's not just football. No. And, And it's for a game. And I'm sure this is going to be a topic we will have to re- revisit another day when another when it happens again NFL player and passes again, and they do and the... again. So again, it's a very tough discussion to have. Dave and I are not medical experts. We are parents. I didn't yep. have to make the decision because I've got a daughter. Dave's boys didn't play sports. Nope, they had so no interest. So he didn't have to worry about it. But I, I understand but how just playing in the backyard, they hit their heads. Kids are going to fall out of it trees happens. climbing trees. You're running around playing tag. You're going to run into each other and clonk heads. It happens. Yeah. Would you rather have it happen with a helmet or not? In the end, if I had to make the choice, if, if I was put in that position again, I am not trying to speak for any fathers of young boys and young men out there, but I would probably say, learn how to play the game right. But if that's what you want to do, go do it. Yep. But we're going to teach you the proper way. Look at look at the parents of police officers, firefighters. Look at, look Those at the serving stress in the military. they go through. Very, very good point, Dave. They, it's a different kind of stress, but it's just as bad, if not worse, because we're talking potentially cataclysmic on the spot. Yep. Not long-term effects. We're talking instantaneous phone call at three in the morning Yeah. type stuff. So let's just... Keep things in perspective, Rain things back a little bit. We're not going to start bubble wrapping everybody in the world. Okay. And I've got more on bubble wrapping people later. (laughs) (laughs) How about that for a teaser? (laughs) No, it's something that you're, (laughs) it's not hero gasm either. (laughs) It's not hero gasm. No, we're not revisiting the boys. (laughs) Not yet. That's in the weekend edition. (laughs) All right, moving on uh, to the big college news, the big, big college news of the week. Of course, we alluded to the fact it was announced last Thursday, so we've had six days to gel on this. Luckily for us, it is still a huge topic because of now all the machinations going on behind the scenes. Who's going to now move? Where is the Pac-10 destroyed? Are they done? Are they over? Yeah, now are they the Pac-10 again? Are are they they the Pac-10 are they going to join up in the Big 12? Are they just going to blow everything up? Are more schools going to defect to the Big 10? So USC unless, and UCLA dropped that big bombshell. Yeah, so unless you've been living under a rock the last week, 
I guess logistics don't matter anymore in college football. No, no, they do not. Because the Big Ten, of course, primarily here in the Midwest. Now they expanded out to the East Coast years ago with Rutgers and Maryland. Now Now they go all the way over to the West Coast, bringing it in a shocking, unbelievably shocking move to me. This is more shocking than the Texas-Oklahoma move to the SEC. Right, because... Wasn't it the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten? Didn't they have the handshake agreement that they were going to move forward without pilfering from each other? Yeah, they had a very a handshake alliance. Yeah. And so now the Big Ten decided they had to keep up with the SEC. Trying to put that the super conferences out there. So as Dave said... Where does this leave us with the remaining Power Five? How is this all going to work out? And, of course, we're ignoring all these other Division I-A schools now in name only. What about Eastern Michigan and Akron and Toledo? These schools now, no hope in hell of ever sniffing a chance. They might as well create another division for these these teams, these schools, because – the money-hungry Power Five now eating itself up. Yep, there. We all knew that the NCAA amateur athletics was a joke. It was a smokescreen they perpetuated for these schools to rake in millions upon millions of dollars every year through the TV contracts and sponsorship deals for the schools and whatnot. Now it's rearing its ugly head in the worst possible way. We've talked it has to get blown up, go stupid before it can be fixed. And they're going stupid. They are going stupid. So as Dave alluded to, what happens to the Pac-12, the Pac-10, whatever you want to call it now, Pac-12 with 10 schools, are they going to go out and pilfer San Diego State? Are they going to try to bring in a couple schools to get back to 12 or even go more than that? Now, the rumor is the Big 12 wants in. They're trying to go after Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, State, Utah, Colorado. Now, that now what's going to go logistically what works about for Washington them. and Oregon? That Those four logistically work for them, but the Big 12 says if we have to, We'll take Oregon and Washington too, even even though travel wise, it'd be even a bigger nightmare for them. So they're looking at adding possibly six, if not four, six of those teams, and then of course that destroys then it's done. the Pac-12 is they're done. That done. only leaves what four teams left. Yeah, Stanford and Cal, Washington State and Oregon State would be the only ones left over. Then there's rumors that maybe they'll negotiate a, a complete and total merger between. The ACC, or not the ACC, the the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, and just call bring the all the bring all them all the together and in. call them the Big Pack. The ACC part of it is this: I don't get, and all this is coming from CBS Sports. They're talking about now potentially the ACC is getting a little worried because they don't know how they're going to end up here. Right, you've got you've got nervous Miami, nervous Florida State, nervous, nervous Clemson, Clemson. Those three are the big boys in the ACC. And they're probably kind of looking at each other going, what are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? 
Notre Dame's sitting out there. Nobody knows what Notre Dame's going to do. Notre Dame is being the independent. They are the biggest wild card in everything. Because whoever gives them the sweetheart deal locks in a potential game changer for the legitimacy of their conference. And that's what they're saying is that if it's the ACC, if it's the Big Ten, and don't, something else I read today, don't count out the SEC. Right. That. Now, the problem is if Notre Dame really wants a sweetheart deal, they would be smarter to go with the ACC or the Big Ten because they're going to want a bigger piece of the pie than the other schools. Oh, Notre Dame doesn't want the same amount of money that Illinois or Minnesota are getting. No, Notre and Dame doesn't. Rightfully want the, so, they should not. Be and Notre Dame doesn't want the that. same amount of of money that Georgia Tech or Boston College are getting. Right. They they want the big boy money right. because let's face it, they've kind of earned it. Right. So. This is going to be a very interesting discussion here throughout the next couple months. Of course, everything this current upcoming year is still fairly intact in terms of the stuff we've known from the past. Right. It's the year after where chaos is truly going to set in. 23, 24, right. and beyond. Who knows what the football landscape is going to look like? And I just, I do feel bad for the smaller schools. I really feel bad for the smaller schools. Um, they're getting left out in the cold in this whole deal. And yep. like you said, it's, it's all, all about, about the freaking money. It's all about greed. It's all about money. And like you said, the NCAA, they they don't know what they're doing anymore in terms of oversight, in terms of regulation. They haven't known for the last forty years. So, and I heard somebody, some idiot, say on a radio show the other day. This is great for college sports. And I'm like, this no, is not great for college sports. No, it's not great for college sports. There it's... are so many kids out there who had hopes, even if they were at a small school, if they made a magical run. They had an opportunity. To play either a big bowl or, God forbid, maybe even go undefeated and sneak in to a, a explain not the, the four-team playoff, but an expanded playoff right. down the road. Now that's all destroyed by the greed of a couple of super conferences. Yep. And don't be shocked if it ends up that it's all just one big, like I said, Division 1AA or something, where you got 60, 70 schools, and they're just all playing each other for an eight-team playoff. And then you wonder about the bottom feeders in some of these Vanderbilt. God. You know, does anybody really care about Vanderbilt? Boot them out. Of the yes. SEC. They're worthless. Get them out of there. They're useless. South Carolina? Uh, Virginia? I know. See, you, you start getting into this conundrum here, and you start deciding, well, I know you've been, look at 100-plus years, USC was in the Pac-10, then the Pac-12. Uh-huh. And gone. loyalty gone like that. Loyalty, no more. Bye-bye. Not in the land of NILs and massive TV deals. And school greed. Yep. All right, I got one quick topic to catch up on. I meant to bring this up last week. Uh, I have been quoting a lot of stuff from Yahoo Sports lately because, again, I think they've got some really good writers. And I've mentioned Jay Busby in the past, but 
Jay Busby kind of dropped the ball here on his June 28th article. The Supreme Court, no, we're not going there. Believe me, we're not going there. But in another ruling, the Supreme Court ruled a Washington, not college state, but high school, Washington State assistant head coach for his high school was allowed to kneel in prayer after the game at halftime. He had been fired for it. And they took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. So basically, wrongful termination. You cannot fire somebody for making a religious display on their own after an athletic contest has been done. Now, my problem with Jay Busby's article here in the last five minutes of segment one we're going to discuss is that he, along with a lot of other people, want to compare this high school coach's religious display, if you want to call it that, after the game is over, after all has been said and done, going out to to midfield to kneel and pray, comparing it to Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem in NFL games. That is completely idiotic to try and compare the two. And I agree with you. You know I agree with you on this. That is the stupidest freaking comparison you could possibly make. One is an intrusive protest that is meant to just gain, garner attention, distract everybody from what is coming up in terms of the game. The other is after the game is over, fans are already leaving the stadium. He's there giving his thanks for a safe game, for just getting through it, positive things that happened. I mean, come on. It, mm, yeah, I don't see how It's a personal is... moment of reflection versus a, look at me, I'm protesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who wore socks to practice portraying police as pigs. And again, I, I know we've been getting a lot more into the political realm here on Sports Frenzy over the last month or so. But in this world, I don't know how we can avoid it anymore. Because everybody's drawing everything in to the world of politics, including sports, including on the weekend edition entertainment. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. But it has to be mentioned, unfortunately. And we have to fight it. Because this shit's got nothing to do with sports. No. I have said over and over again, I said it last week on the weekend edition, Colin Kaepernick or an entertainer in that instance last week, you want to go on Sports Center. Even I don't even like the fact of him going on Sports Center, but you want to go and meet the press or the NBC Evening News and discuss your political views, and if they want to give you that forum, then you go for it. I'm not watching it because it's the news. I'll right. pick and choose if I want a news broadcast. I'll pick and choose which one Stay I want to Stay off my entertainment venues. That's where I have a big big problem is when your protest, your opinions intrude on my leisure time and the things I'm turning to, to, to make get away forget, from this crap, whether it's movies, music, or in this case, the NFL. I don't see outside of they're both kneeling. 
how these two cases, how these two situations are even close to being similar. They're apples and oranges to me. Completely agree. And I'm sure, again, there are people out there that do not agree with us. And that's fine. Feel free to drop us a line. Feel free to go to our Facebook page and put your form of protest on our Facebook page. I'm all good with that. And let's have a civil discourse. I don't want this. Oh, you guys are fucking idiots. Fuck you. No, that is not civil discourse. Do it like it's a debate. You give us 100 words, point by point, as to why you think we're wrong. Do it in an intelligent manner, like Dave says, and we'll be more than happy to respond in kind. Yes, I know we curse and swear on this show all the time, but that's because we're so fed up with the people Dave's talking about, the morons who don't know how to have a civil discussion, that we blow a gasket. There's only so much we can take. That's right. All right, that's wrapping up segment one. Coming up, segment two. Baseball. Racing. Racing. NBA. We'll talk about the upcoming race at Atlanta. We'll talk about the Cubs and the White Sox, of course. Not a ton in baseball, so we're going to try to jam a condensed whole bunch of stuff in segment two. Because we got a ton of dumbasses in segment three to get to. Yep, stay tuned. We'll be back. Hey kids, ready for a blast of dairy goodness? Pick up Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk at your local grocery store. Remember, when you drink Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk, you're not only enjoying a healthy treat, you're helping to locate missing sports heroes of the past and present. Our cartons and jugs feature pictures of Peng Shui, Ryan Leaf, and Sammy Sosa as we do our part to find the lost icons of the last 30 years. And don't forget our special weekend edition chocolate milk containers available on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts because they feature celebrities like Lindsay Lohan, Helen Hunt, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Pick up a gallon today. All aboard the Sports Frenzy Express. Sports Frenzy 2.0 coming back with segment two here taping July 6, 2022. This will hit Thursday the 7th as always. I'm the Conquistador Dave Height. And I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Baseball. Boys of summer that we ignored in segment one. Well, we're at the halfway point, so things are starting to settle in for a little bit. We've got the all-star break coming up in two weeks, so there's not a ton to talk about. No, there's not. Just that the white sucks continue to spiral and hang out in pitiful mediocrity. Dropped two of three to the Twins so far this week. Got the afternoon game today in 10 innings. Nine to frickin' eight having to come from behind. Sitting in third at 39 and 41. God. Five and a half games out. Yeah. I. You know, they are showing absolutely no heart at all. They're lackadaisical in the field. It's just like they're going through the motions. And I. Sorry, it comes down to freaking management, managing the team. I wonder if they're trying to get Larusa out of there. 
well, you know, I've talked about this for weeks, um, and you'd know better than I, but word is around national sports radio even that nobody sees Larusa beyond this year. No, no. Way. and he should be gone now to salvage what's left of the season. But Reinsdorf, the owner, will not do that. He will wait until the end of the year before he makes a freaking decision, and he's pissing another year of this team away. And the window's closing. Sports metaphor that I always found appropriate, even though it's overused. You know when your team's windows are open and they're getting bigger. And you, and know, you know when, when they're, they're starting shrinking. to close. Yep. Ugh. The Cubs, of course, have actually looked halfway decent here over the last week or so. Uh, they are 34 and 48. They're tied for third in the NL Central, but they're 12 behind the Milwaukee Brewers. Of course, no hope. You know they're going to end up sending Wilson Contreras to the All-Star game, and he's going to be out of town a week or two after that, which is just sad and pathetic. One person who might not be traded, though, because of shoulder, shoulder issues, oh, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks had to leave yesterday's game after three innings. Shoulder tightness. Yep. So, does that bother me? No. We still got him next year. You can trade him next year. You won't get arguably as much, but I look at it this way. He's not having his best year. No. So if, so if he comes back from this and does better, then maybe you'll get a little bit more out of him. Yeah. The funny thing about the Cubs, we've been waiting here for how long? A month and a half, two months for Seiya Suzuki to come back? <laughs> he comes back the other night, hits a home run. Next game, hits another home run. So what does David Ross do? Third game, sit him. Sit him. God yeah, forbid. He's been sitting on his ass for a month and a half, two months. God forbid you play him three games in a row when he's hitting the ball out of the park. I'll never understand the logic there. Absolute never. stupidity. That's got to be him buying into the analytics geeks. Upstairs. You play your best damn players game in, game out until they show that they should have to tap it. He's day not off. slumping. He came back two games, two home runs. You run the best you run players out there. out there every damn day. None of this, oh, we're going to sit our guys on a Sunday afternoon. No bullshit. You play your best damn players every freaking day. Oh, I think they did put him in late in today's game as like a pinch runner or something like that. Lottie freaking die. God, I'm I so don't understand sick. the logic of that. Again, if a guy's slumping, then yeah, you sit him down for a day so he can get his shit together. Not when a guy's hot. Not when he's already been sitting on his ass for weeks and weeks and weeks. It makes absolutely zero sense. And this, Cubs fans, is what we've got to look forward to in the coming years because we're stuck not only with Suzuki, but David Ross Actually, is our manager. that's what baseball fans have to look forward to in general. There's the rarity anymore where you're going to have somebody in there every day. It's getting like basketball. Load management. Yeah. Load management. The starting pitchers. We, we, we've seen that the last the couple years. 
we've seen that degrading the last couple of years. You and I have railed on that. Yep. Oh, we'll let him go for it. Not at, even qualify for Max a win. Look at Scherzer, though, comes back last night after an extended period on the injured list. And the dude comes back and dominates. And he is a lost breed. You know, he's a dying breed. Him and Justin Verlander. I will be sad as hell when those two leave. Because that's it. Yeah, those are your the two The era of courses. great pitchers. Don't throw Clayton Kershaw's name at me. Clayton no. Kershaw's been a China doll. You'll put him in the Hall of Fame because when he was on, when he was healthy, he was good. But he is nothing compared to Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Yeah, those, not even in the same class. Those are the last two guys that we'll be able to mention in the same breath as Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, all the greats. Because we're not getting it, like Dave said, anymore with this, you, you can't throw more than 100 pitches. Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, we're going to have a bullpen game. We're going to have a bullpen game. Oh, maybe only four innings this time. You've been through the road. You've been through the lineup twice. Sorry, kids, but that's that's the game of baseball, like Dave said, nowadays, and it sucks. All right, a couple other quick baseball tidbits before we move on to NASCAR. And, of course, SRX. I feel bad for Freddie Freeman. I do. Now, I shouldn't feel too bad because he's a rich man. He's a rich man. He's a rich man. But last week, getting the ovation he did on his return to Atlanta, and then he fires his agent because supposedly things leaked out that said he was not made aware of an Atlanta offer that would have maybe turned his opinion, his attitude back to the Braves. Mm. That's speculation. That's spe- but, but again, looking at his reaction but, to the the standing ovation he got in Atlanta as a member of the Dodgers, yeah, makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if those rumors you, if aren't true. You just don't fire an agent who got you a deal like he did in L.A. Something was off. Yep. So of course, Freddie Freeman was in tears again. Fired his agent. There's been a lot of talk about his regrets. Well, this is, it the, is the, what it is. This is that's big, the business big side. Boy sports business. Now, this is what happens. You got to trust an agent. You got to trust an accountant. You got to trust the GM of the team you're coming from. The GM of the team you're going to. Who's telling the truth? Who's playing above board? And who's wanting to screw you under the table? There you go. I feel bad for him. I think genuinely, he he really truly misses Atlanta. I think he does, but, but there you go. Yep. Finally, again, going back to the Cubs for just a second, but this is a little bit of a, a sweet take. Halfway through the season, right, Dave? Officially, most teams yep, have hit most that teams have hit the 81 game mark. 81 game mark, right? The Rockies last night hit the 81 game mark. Guess who hit his first home run of the year? Yes, not his 20th, not his 25th. Not his even his 15th, first. his first, Chris freaking Bryant. Finally goes yard, and it's on the road. It's not even at Coors Field where everybody expected him to have a field day. I think Dave will back me up on this. I said when the Cubs were going to head, head into fire sale mode last year, I said, I don't care about Bryant, let him go. 
I don't care about Baez. Let him go. And look at both of those two are doing. Now, I wanted Rizzo. You wanted to keep Rizzo. And yes. I still want to keep Contreras. And I still want to keep Hendricks. I want to keep what I think are the the heart and soul guys, the clubhouse guys, the tough guys, the leaders. I didn't like Bryant's attitude, you know, him and Boris and the oh, whole, oh, God. the Cubs manipulated his service time. Suck it up. And Baez was just always a loose cannon. I miss Rizzo. I am going to miss Wilson Contreras, who's having a phenomenal year, by the way. Yep. There you go. Now, Tigers coming off a sweep of the Guardians. What are they going to do about their left-handed pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez? 23 days ago, they put him on the restricted list for a personal matter. They've reached out to him and have not received any reply. Wow. Yeah, he's like MIA, and they're just waiting for him to get back to them at this point. Wow, yeah, that one I had not heard. Yeah. I mean, I know who he is. He came over from the Red Sox. Yeah. He was one of the bigger pitchers to sign. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of a uh, separated or a lat issue, and then he had personal matters he wanted to take care of, and they put him on the restricted list, and here we are. Over three weeks later, and they have n he's not contacted him back. So are we saying he's becoming the Kyrie Irving of baseball? <laughs> Who knows at this point? God, just hope everything is all right with him. And yes, we'll get the Kyrie Irving here in a few minutes. So, yeah, crazy. of course, we hope everything's okay. But that that's, dude, you're a professional. Act like it. In the age of cell phones, pick up a cell phone, go get a burner, and call the Detroit Tigers. All you have to do is text are. and say, I'm okay. I'm just still working through whatever. Just let them know you're okay. And again, in this day and age, there's the no excuse. Say, oh, okay. Okay. That's there, fine. There's no excuse not to be in contact. Right. All right. Moving on to racing. Starting off with NASCAR. Road America. The quick trip to 50. Chase was good, our pick. Chase Elliott was really good. He got the pole, but he yeah. just wasn't quite good enough. And really, for most of the race, what? First stage, finished 10th. Second stage, finished 9th. Come on. They, they were playing follow the leader. Everybody would pit behind him with three laps to go. And he was he felt he was forced before the pits closed because the pit road mm. right before the start finish line it shuts down with two laps to go at the end of each stage. So he felt like he had to come in to keep up. Otherwise, he gets the stage points, but, but he gets, gets stuck way, back. way back in the pack. So he actually getting the one point, the two points that he did was actually better than we could have hoped for because he was also bitching and pissing and moaning about that car the entire race. Started off with a steering issue. Said, I got 70% steering on one side. I don't know if I'll be able to make it through the race. And he stays out in the lead forever. And finally, they radio in and say, you're just going to have to deal with it. The car's good. Okay? We're not bringing <laughs> you in and, and overhauling the steering because you've got 70% on one side. 
because considering that you're out front and nobody can touch you. And he was complaining about something else in the second stage. And he just kept saying the car doesn't feel right. Well, he was more seemed to be more worried about the car than focusing on what he could do with it. And then supposedly, now this is coming from the NBC booth, so of course we know we can't take them oh God. with 100% certainty. But in the last stage, which really had me worried for our pick, Tyler Reddick was radioing in as he was still following him at the at the beginning of stage three, saying, somebody better check on the nine car. There's something wrong with the nine car. And they started acting like, oh, did he come out of the pits with a loose wheel? And we've no, seen that before. Yeah, we've seen too many loose wheels. And then he, he runs three or four more laps and everybody goes, well, I guess he's okay. <laughs> so I don't know if that was mind games on Tyler Reddick's point potentially who knows his crew and him were trying to play a little bit of uh mental gymnastics with chase elliott but maybe it worked because eventually reddick got around elliott he was just a better car he was a better car better driver um doesn't shock me that he won what is cool number one is that he did this right after it was announced that he is coming back for 2023 with richard childress and then Number two, 13th different winner. <laughs> That's beautiful. Kevin Harvick getting out that. now. Yep. Kevin is Harvick is out. Outside looking Blaney, in. Truex, Bell are now the ones they sweating it out. They are the ones out. on the bubble. Yep. Because, kids, if you don't know your NASCAR Cup rules, if you get a win, you're in. Yep. So if there are three more win winners here over the next two months, those 16 are It's guaranteed. not Truex, and it's not Blaney, and it's not Bell. Those guys are out. Whoever wins, they're in. Yep. It's getting very interesting. Yep. This I is heard... the chaos we had been hoping for. Dale Jarrett, man, he was screaming and yelling in the pre-race. So, I told you people this was going to happen. <laughs> this is even before Reddick won. I told you people this was coming. It was... I don't know why you don't believe me that there's going to be 16 winners. Well, he's got 13. He's got 13. Only needs three more coming down the line, and it's very possible. Yep, especially with two more road courses and a super speedway left. Yep. I don't, a lot of I don't wild call cards. Atlanta a super speedway. Some do. I don't. No, Atlanta's a... It's in between it's, yeah, an intermediate it's and an a super intermediate. speedway. It's an intermediate that's fast. All right, next up, speaking of Atlanta... The Quaker State 400 this coming Sunday, July the 10th, 2022, race 19. We will not be able to watch it, at least not live, as we have other plans. Yep. We'll be rocking down the highway. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Um, but, of course, we'll watch it on tape delay, DVR, or we'll just read an article or two and figure it out. That being said, you're still getting picks. Six of our eight panelists are in. We've still got half an hour left before our picks deadline Wednesday night. We've got one group of two who are simpatico with their picks. That would be David and Aaron. Yep, we are going with Mr. Byron. Thought winner. about it. Thought about it very going hard. Going for the repeated Atlanta. I just, every time I pick him, he never comes through for me. I'm snake bit with picking him, so I just can't. I couldn't pull the trigger on him. 
Um, I'm going to burn up my last Ross Chastain. I just love the speed the track house cars have got. And again, I'm using Chastain somewhere else. It's tricky because you want to look at the stats from past years at these tracks. You, you can't, can't do it. Especially at Atlanta. Atlanta, I looked at the last race earlier in the year is what I looked at. And it was so completely different from any other race there. Right. It was ridiculous. And of course, who finished 1-2 in the earlier 2022 Atlanta race? I believe that was William Byron and Ross Chastain. So there you go, kids. That explains a lot as why we're picking the way we are. Sam is going with somebody who normally does run extremely well in Atlanta. But again, with the mm. new cars, the elder statesman goes with Martin Truex Jr. Bill with a very solid pick. Somebody who is proving to... He's taking to these new cars very well. And he, he ran very well at the spring Atlanta race. That would be yep. Kurt Busch, the yes. clean Bush. And then finally, out of the six picks we've got in, Doug, looking like if I could get into his head, which I really wouldn't want to ever. No. <laughs> Sorry, Governor. But if I could rationalize his pick, I'd say now that Harvick is out, desperation mode sets in. He's got to make up points on Christopher Bell, or he's got to win a race. Right. So Doug's going with Happy Harvick. Who historically had run very well at Atlanta. Right. But again, new system, new, new cars, setup, new cars. New track setup. Yep. It's, yeah. All right. Moving on real quick to Dave and I, our personal favorite of the new racing system setups. Circuits, whatever you want to call it, second year in for SRX on CBS. Yep. Race Stafford. Number, race Motor number three. Speedway. Yep. One of two repeats. They're going with Stafford. They just did that. Yep. This week it's the Nashville Fairgrounds. Yeah. And then they go dirt and dirt to wrap up the six <laughs> the six race SRX season two. Dirt's gonna be fun. Uh, now, Ryan Newman ends up being the third different winner in three races. Yep. Newman had a very solid run. Very good car. Yep. Um, Did a nice little bump and run on Marco Andretti to take the lead in the closing laps. He just bided his time, worked his way up through the field. Beautifully done. Yep. Very um, happy to see Ryan back in victory lane. Yep. And, you know... We do a lot of negative stuff here. I get that. I know. Um, but it was really cool at the end. They they panned in on his daughter, and she was in tears. She was so happy. Yeah, and both he, his daughters were thrilled. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see that. Um, I do have one complaint, though. Not with Ryan Newman and his win, but they had an overwhelming amount of coverage on the Andrettis during the race. Way too much. And here's my question. How about five minutes for Haley Deegan? <laughs> you don't even show Haley Deegan, except you've got a camera in her car that you're showing us all the time. I don't get to see an interview with Haley Deegan, not during the heat break before the main event. I don't get any Haley Deegan. Where's my Haley Deegan fix? No, but I got to see Mario Andretti, Marco Andretti, sipping wine, clinking glasses. And God, was that pathetic of mario to make sure he turned the bottle to show that it was an andretti 
vintage wine. <laughs> See, I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah, they're sitting there at the table, and he pours, what's her name, a glass. Lindsay Zarniak, Lin yeah. Pours her a glass, sets the bottle down, and twists it to show that it's Andretti Vineyards. Great. Great. Shameless self-promotion. Yeah, never miss an opportunity to self-promote. Hey, we see that with Michael Waltrip and his brother. Yeah, at least this week, he, his name wasn't on Helio Castroneves's car. Number one, because Helio wasn't there, but... They did do a little they spot on that. They did do a spot on the brewery. Yeah, that, and... was, that was cool. That was fine. And I would have been fine with one Andretti spot, not two. We right. didn't need two Andretti spots. We did not. So. All right, moving on. In the And hey, let's give it up for Paul Tracy finishing third, his best finish without carnage. Yeah, he did, though. He, he did he not ripped biffle off... into the grass. And he ripped right. off the front of Michael Waltrip's, the cage on the back of the SRX car. Yeah. When he went to pass Michael Waltrip, it snagged on the front of Michael Waltrip's car and just ripped it right off. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, let's give it up for Tracy, though, for having a solid run for once. The bad boy of SRX. <laughs> <laughs> I still would demand a new color. <laughs> I still think they need to do more to get the driver's names more prominent on these cars because yeah. we're not familiar with the sponsors like we are in cup series. Right. Where I know who the ally car is. I know that's Alex Bowman. You know, I don't know the sponsors and, and all of the, with the, the names being on the, on the rear quarter panel, right. The driver's like names it. should be on the door. Like they used to be in IROC. There you go. Yep. Agree completely. All right. NBA stupid money season for the NBA. We got to talk about this for a couple minutes. But of course, the biggest news of the last week has nothing to do with money that was handed out this past week. But we'll get to that in a second. First up, biggest contract in NBA history goes to, if you're going to give it to somebody, this is deserving money. Nikola Jokic gets five years, $264 million from the Denver Nuggets. Again, it's silly, it's stupid, stupid money. stupid money. But the guy plays his ass off night in, yes. night out. Yeah, if there's one guy who deserves it, it's Jokic. One guy who does not deserve it. And I know the New Orleans Pelicans were stuck in a very, very rock-in-a-hard-place type situation. They gave Zion Williamson, who has been hurt, this for the was last, stupid. what, this, year plus? Yeah, this was bad. A max rookie extension, five years, $193 million. There are escalators for the 22-23 season, which he'll never make. Like being MVP. Yeah. That could, they could kid, bump it up to $231 million. Never, never should have approached this kind of money at this, this point. This is the stupid money we're talking about. Because he has not proven anything. At this point, right. he should not be paid. He's shown glimmers of the potential, but again, he's a China doll. Yeah. He's... And you know next year it's going to be load management because they don't want him to break again. Yeah. They... Absolutely not worth that kind of money. To play a freaking game. Of course, there are petulant players all around the NBA, even more so than any other professional sport we know this we've known this for years james harden and now of course 
joining his teammate, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, after signing a four-year extension recently with the Brooklyn Nets, decides, I want out. I am demanding a trade. He is getting shellacked. He is getting lambasted. He is getting roasted. Any adjective you want to use. And deservedly so. People are calling him a quitter, saying, okay, you quit on Oklahoma City. Now, okay, you went to the easiest spot you possibly could. Hmm, does that sound like LeBron James when he went to Golden State? Yeah. Won a couple titles and then dictated, I want to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? You've destroyed the Nets franchise. You and Kyrie Irving and James Harden, the three of you, have destroyed that franchise. The Nets. Because a lot of people are pointing out there's not much in the way of deals that will work. Nobody wants for you. The Nets, well, for the Nets to even get back a fair return. Yeah, there's nothing there. They're talking about Phoenix. Phoenix can't give them anything that they want. They're not giving up Booker. They don't want Aiton. They're saying maybe the Utah Jazz, but does Kevin Durant want to go to Utah? Probably not. For Donovan Mitchell. Sorry. Babies, babies spoiled, petulant babies. And go on your podcast. Just like we do, go on your podcast, Durant, and bitch and piss and moan and swear and curse and call everybody under the sun names and smoke some dope because we know that's all you do on your podcast because you never put out a coherent thought or take responsibility for the fact that you are, again, another talent pissing away your ability, pissing away your chance, talking about windows closing. He's in his 30s now. His career is almost done. He is not going to be considered one of the greatest of all time after this debacle. No, not even close. Now, now I have to I have to say this. I have to bring this up. I almost put myself in the dumb asses of the week. Yes, I almost <laughs> I've done it once before. You have, you have. Almost did it again, but it's one game. One game. Remember the NBA draft? Remember how I said, Orlando, pick whoever you want except the kid for from Chet Duke. Holmgren. No, Chet. Oh, no, wait. The kid from Gonzaga. Gonzaga. The big, yes. tall. The big, tall, tall lanky. Seven foot, 190 pound Chet Holmgren. Bruce Pearl agreed with me. Body's not going to hold up in the NBA. Don't want him. Don't want anything to do with him. Went to Oklahoma City. First game in the summer league. He got set a record. <laughs> he set a record. First player ever in the summer league to have both five blocks or more and four three pointers or more on top of scoring twenty three points. Didn't do too bad. <laughs> not too bad, but again, it's the oh summer league. I know he's not going up against the physical. He's not beating and beasts. banging. Yeah, he's not beating and banging. This is. This is guys trying to showcase, and they're not going to play defense at all. That's why I didn't give myself a dumbass award, because it's one game. Now, if he ends up playing like this, getting into the regular season, I might revisit this. Because I am humble. I am nothing if not humble. Finally, real quick, we got a minute to go. The Knicks made one of the biggest splashes in free agency, signing Jalen Brunson away from the Mavericks. Four years, $104 million. But 
the NBA has already told the Knicks they are going to get hammered for tampering. Oh. Gee, shocking considering the fact his father is an assistant coach <laughs> with the Knicks. I could have seen this coming a mile and a half away. You know, it still makes absolutely no sense how they determine who tampers and who doesn't. Because you know everybody's talking to everybody throughout. It's all a bunch of crap. Yeah, this is just the familial link made it a little too easy for them to investigate. So we'll see what the Knicks get in terms of a penalty. What you're getting is segment three coming up in just a sec. Hang on, kids. Are you having trouble falling asleep behind the wheel of your expensive SUV? Are you finding difficulty in avoiding golf clubs thrown at you by your angry wife as you pull out of the driveway? Sign up today for the Tiger Woods Driving School, sponsored by Sports Frenzy 2.0. We'll show you how to text ladies of the night while still driving effectively in the wee hours of the morning. We'll also teach you how to ditch a suspicious backpack when you end up driving into a ditch. Check out Sports Frenzy 2.0 on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, for updates on our latest classes, including how to curse and swear in front of uptight golf fans and their children and still be adored by millions. The Tiger Woods Driving School. It's great. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. Sorry, I'm doing a little last-minute research here. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. We want to stay up to date. And as always, you can hear dead air like that (laughs) on our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, and Stitcher! All right, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the USFL championship game from this past Sunday. You can laugh at me all you want. You can laugh at me all you want. I did not watch every USFL game this year. I watched the first couple weeks, took a break, because number one, the USFL had a lot of really good teams and a lot of really bad teams. It was an all-or-nothing league. Yeah, there was nothing in the middle. There were... Really, the last two or three weeks of the regular season, there was nothing to watch because the playoffs, the four teams out of the eight, was already set. Um, now, we did get probably the best matchup possible in the championship game. The Birmingham Stallions, who had been the best team all year. I had had my doubts because I was like, well, they're playing home games every week. Right. Versus the Philly Stars. Philadelphia Stars came on late. Very powerful, potent offense. Um, So, very good matchup. Ended up being, I thought, a fantastic game. Final score, 33-30. to Wow. Both starting quarterbacks knocked out. Holy cow. Birmingham won because they had a better backup quarterback. There you go. Their backup quarterback, Magoo. Yes, that's his name, Magoo. (laughs) Mr. Magoo? Was Did he, he have the thick glasses? <laughs> he had long hair. He had like Trevor Lawrence hair. So he was not like Mr. Magoo. No. But 
Um, he had all those intangibles you and I were talking about earlier on the show. Big arm, very mobile. <laughs> but I felt bad for, for Philadelphia because I think Philadelphia could have won this game if their starter hadn't got knocked out. Get this. The poor guy is getting married next week. Oh, no. Everybody in the booth was talking him up. He had three touchdown passes, no picks in the fourth quarter. They had the they had the lead. Philadelphia had the lead. Looked like they were going to be able, if they just played a little ball control, yeah. move the ball a little bit, be able to win the game. couple first downs. Eat the clock. Broke his leg. Oh, God. Broke his leg. Getting married next week. Oh, broke no. his leg. He'd gotten hit. Five minutes earlier in the game, took a helmet right up under the chin, and they were joking around about it, and he was kind of moving his jaw, and they interviewed him on the sidelines and said, you doing okay? And he's like, yeah, well, my fiance would be really mad if I busted a bunch of teeth and I'd have to take wedding pictures like that. <laughs> or broke my jaw and couldn't sing or yeah. do. <laughs> Five minutes later, poor guy breaks his leg. Oh, God. And they're talking How bad? about their broken fibula, I think. Oof. Um, didn't look it. What didn't look like a Feisman type thing. Okay. Though. It did not. It actually looked like when they showed the replay. It didn't look like he broke his leg. Maybe bad ankle sprain. Maybe an ACL. Possibly did not think he broke the leg. Probably fractured it. Hopefully it's not that major. Yeah, because they were talking him up in terms of he would he could probably be the top quarterback to come out of the USFL and make an NFL team. Not anymore, though. Not now. But here's the kicker. And again, I'm spending a lot of time on this. Sorry, but again, I, this was a great game. Backup quarterback comes in. This is where it breaks down with the backups, the backup for the Stallions being better. First pass. The pick backup six. pick six puts Birmingham in the lead. They go on to win the game. No. Now God. he came back. The kid came back and was fantastic after <laughs> that. He led Philadelphia back down to score another late touchdown. So they were close to being able to come back all the way. But too well, yeah, little, that too late. Six, that pick six just killed them. Killed them. Ouch. So I thought the championship game was very fun. Again, the disparity in the teams didn't make for a great season overall. But I think the USFL's got some potential. There you go. All righty. Got a little bit. Breaking hockey news. History-making hockey news. San Jose Sharks have hired Mike Greer as their general manager. Why is that historic? He's the first black general manager in the NHL. Very good. Hopefully this opens things up a little bit more. Players have started to come out more and more of late. You haven't seen it really in the coaching ranks. This general manager position is huge in hockey. And so. I will say this, not trying to be negative Nancy here, but we've talked about this before. If we want to be truly equal and be truly normal. We wouldn't make a big deal of we it. We wouldn't have to toot horns and blare trumpets when something like this happens because it should be commonplace and normal. Yep. But, I mean... This this is the guy who I actually wanted considered for the Blackhawks GM position because he'd been with them as a scout 
for years and had been an assistant with the Devils. <sighs> the guy knows the game, and I'm, I'm ashamed that the Hawks didn't make the move to bring him in. But we'll see. And on a side note, yeah, his brother Chris Greer is the general manager for the Miami Dolphins. There you go. That's a so pretty successful some families, pretty successful family right there. Some families, they've got it going. Yep. All right. You know we can't go a week without talking about the golf controversy, the Live Tournament. Dun dun dun. This past week, they played their first tournament on continental United States ground in Portland, Oregon. Brandon Grace won four point four million. Oof. Um, now, here's the interesting thing, though. Bryson DeChambeau came in 10th, pocketed uh, a paltry five, $560,000 for, <laughs> for 10th place. But he was interviewed afterwards on a podcast asking him, we've never really heard how much did you get to play in the live tournament? And the guy guessed, the, the host of the podcast guessed it, what, $125 million? He said something like, well, you look like you're flashing a $125 million smile. And DeChambeau <laughs> said, a little bit more than that. <laughs> so even though he never officially confirmed a number, he we got know he paid. got paid. Considering Dustin Johnson got $150 yeah. and Phil Mickelson got $200 million, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Now, he said it was a four-and-a-half-year deal. So you got to split oh, that up a little on. bit. Still, that's, that's pretty much almost $25 million a year, just in appearance fees, basically. Yeah. Just Not counting prize money. Yeah, just to show up and play the events. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, four and a, the half year puzzles me. I'm assuming that's this year because he didn't play the first right. tournament. Maybe he's planning on skipping a couple other ones this year. But we'll see how that goes. But come on. Now, the European Tour is now banning the European players. Yep, 16 European players are threatening the DP World Tour with legal action over what you're saying. Yep, so very interesting. And we still got little, uh, here's the thing, little PGA Tour pissants, and I'm sorry to call them that, just They're play your game. Than... Just play and shut up, okay? They make their choice, you made yours, deal shut with up. it and move on. Like maybe, like you're alluding to, maybe they're bitter because they weren't invited. Could be like little high school petrol guys who weren't asked to try out for the football team. You know, they weren't big enough names. They made their choice. You made yours. Move on. And I don't want to hear any of the bigger names left who decided they didn't want to take a chance. You missed the boat, guys. Yeah, and all I can figure is that these guys are just mad because until we hear otherwise, maybe next year at the Masters, it won't happen this year, until somebody in the majors, the four majors, steps up and starts banning these guys like you were talking about with what's going on with the European Tour, then that's got to be why these PGA Tour players are mad because they don't want to have to deal with Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka in the majors, which we all know are the ones that are going to cement your legacy in golf. Right. 
they feel like they shouldn't be allowed in the majors because they went with the live tour. Who but cares? the PGA golf Tour doesn't have control of the majors. They don't. And you know what? I'm sorry if I'm the live players and they're not going to let me play in the majors. I'm still laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. And again, we've talked about the Saudi money. We talked about comparing it to the NBA money. Who get a lot from China. What's the big difference? I would take money from the Saudis over money from China any day of the week. All right, kids. Time to move on. A couple of moments of silence here. I'll start off. When I used to watch ESPN back when it wasn't politically correct bullshit, I did happen to see Hank Goldberg once in a while as he would lay odds, picks, predictions, you know. One of those guys that they still have around, especially on the NBA, like Woj, um, yeah. the big fat white guys who you know have never played a minute of athletic activity in their lives, who yeah. are somehow now geniuses when it comes to picking games. The ones who spreads. sit there with their stat books and their stogies and their yeah. bottles of scotch. and Yeah, Hank Goldberg was one of the first. Like I said, Woj, now Brian Windhorst is another one. These guys don't look like they could do two sit-ups, let alone see their pee-pee when they wee-wee. <laughs> But somehow they're genius experts when it comes to what's going on in the world of sports. But Hank Goldberg was one of the first, and he passed away. So thoughts and prayers to, in his way, a trailblazer. Yep, there you go. Thoughts and prayers to Blue Jays' first base coach, Mark Budzinski, and his family on the loss of his daughter in a tragic boating accident over the weekend. I'm not going to go into the details. It, it was just a horrifying accident that happened. And it, it and really nobody nobody's fault. Nobody's child. fault. Nobody's fault. It's just one of those things, a freak occurrence. The definition of a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's horrible. She was 17. Like I said, thoughts and prayers to the Budzinski family and all their friends. So unfortunately, as we always have to do here, another awkward transition as we go from life's tragedies to life's stupidity. Yes, we're bringing it back this week. It's your favorite game show, a special edition of the Red Foreman Dumbasses of the Week, where the Conquistador Dave Height will play Dumbass or not. <laughs> Our favorite segment. <laughs> Cue the theme music, Johnny. All right. Five. Five situations. Five people that I will pose to you. Are, are we firing up the twin engines on the plane of doom? I think we might have somebody new that we're going to put on there for one, one act of stupidity. But we've got somebody else who's been noted Time and time again. A first class passenger. Yeah, but nobody, none of the usual suspects. Some new people. Okay. Some relatively new so people. So they haven't earned their way there yet. They're in the lounge. Right. We're going to stick with tennis, but no, it's not Naomi Osaka. We've got a couple in tennis, believe it or not. Since it is Wimbledon going on right now, that's right. wrapping up this weekend. Yeah, because we had the one last week. Well, guess who's on again? 
our favorite Aussie moron. First up, Nick Kyrgos. <laughs> now, here's the sad thing about this. Before we get into the reasons why he's once again, back-to-back weeks, oh. made the list. That's tough to do, here's back-to-back. The, here's the thing. He's in the semifinals playing Rafael Nadal, who's injured. Nadal does not know if he's going to be able to go. Oh. Kirkos might actually get a walk to the finals in oh, Wimbledon. That's horrible. Now, why is he a dumbass after last week's incident? With His the spinning meltdown. And the, yeah. They are not saying he's been charged because I guess Australian justice works differently. He has to appear in court in Australia coming up soon for grabbing assaulting his former girlfriend in late 2021. I want to know when somebody's going to get this guy anger management help. This guy is a loose cannon. Now, again, assault, a loose term. He grabbed his his former girlfriend Was it violently. By the arm, the neck, what defined violently? Exactly. And I don't have those information tidbits for you. But this guy, given his past, given the fact he's a multiple dumbass offender, we would hope the Australian government does their due diligence, does their work right. And somebody's got to do more than just slap this guy on the wrist. Somebody's got to make him accountable. Like I said, give him some help. He needs some serious help. Doesn't make him a dumbass, though. Yes, I'm going to call him a dumbass. All right. So he's in the lounge. He's in the waiting lounge. Waiting to board the plane of doom. He's getting the Kool-Aid. God, can you see if he wins Wimbledon? God. Given all the crap he's pulled recently? <sighs> all right. Don't speaking... they have a morality clause? Yeah, it's okay to ban the Russian players, which they're appealing, by the way. The Wimbledon board or whoever they are, are appealing the sanctions they got from the WTA because, you know, they can be prejudiced and racist all they want. Of course, Billy Joe Armstrong wants to go live over there because they're so wonderful and great compared to America. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Sticking with Wimbledon. Potential dumbass number two. We talked about Serena Williams last week. We talked about the fact that she... Tried at 40 years old to play. Yep. Got beat in the first round by Harmony Tan. Okay. Harmony Tan was scheduled to play doubles with Tamara Korpach. An hour before their match, Harmony Tan told Tamara Korpach, I'm out. I'm not going to play. I'm too tired after playing Serena Williams. You do not <laughs> do that at the last freaking minute like that. One hour before that, their match. That One is hour. inexcusable. And the, I guess the, the sad thing is Harmony Tan had asked Kopach to be her partner. It wasn't the other way around. That's even worse. That is a true dumbass move. Yeah. And Get her a double shot. You're too tired of after the first round. You Mm, no, nope, bye bye. All right, we've again we've talked about the fact that politics leaks into everything. 
So the next few are going to have political undertones, political undertones. This one really upset me. And again, we've talked about how ESPN has just gone off the rails when it comes to PC garbage, woke journalism. If you had gone on your phone, your tablet, your computer, the morning of July the 4th, on the front page featured on ESPN's homepage would have been a story by Howard Bryant. And I know who Howard Bryant is. He is, I used to watch the sports reporters all the time right. on ESPN before, again, this political garbage seeped in to their mindset. So I know who Howard Bryant is. Howard Bryant wrote an article, basically, initially sounded like what you and I say. Things were better in the 70s and the 80s. He was somehow this was a sports related column because part of his memories going back, you know, to uh, what Dave Rigetti, no hitter back in the 80s, I think, on July the 4th, possibly. Okay. That's the only connection this entire article has to, to sports. sports. Otherwise, he goes on a full-blown nuclear rant about how America sucks, America's terrible, you know, going into Roe Roe versus Wade and calling out specific sports commentators who happen to be more conservative, like Boomer Esiason, you know, saying, where are you now with this indignation? You know, we're telling women what to do with their bodies. And then he went on other tangents, you know, of course, BLM and all that stuff, basically saying America right now just sucks Get the hell out of my country, you traitorous bastard dumbass. Yeah. Of course, I can't I can't do a long, it's a long, long column, a long article. I can't do it justice. I can only summarize. But basically, again, the only connection to sports is his fond memories of a Yankees no-hitter back in the 80s and talking about, like we do, how we didn't have these problems in the 70s and 80s. Gee, I wonder why. Because we didn't have... 24-hour cable news. Goddamn Ted Turner to hell. Downfall of America right there along with social freaking media. So if you guys want to go check out Howard Bryant's dumbass article, don't do it, though. For the simple reason that Don't I know give him any more freaking views. That's what I'm saying. Even though I prefer you be educated, you don't need to be giving him any more attention than we just did. Yeah, and don't like your country out. anymore. Get the hell out. So we're three for three? We are three for three. Oh, and check out the weekend edition. This, <laughs> oh, this, we're just getting started, kids. Yeah, we've got a lot more when it comes to this type of stuff coming up on the weekend edition, unfortunately. Because Hollywood, just when you thought they couldn't go any farther off the rails. Oh, just wait. I'm going to light it up. So I'm on, what, three for three right now? Yes, three for three. All right. I'm going to sensitive subject here because I'm going to rip on one of your White Sox players. Probably deservedly so. Another Aussie. Oh, Liam Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks had to jump in after the tragedy in Chicago. Highland Park this past July 4th. And, of course, this is another situation where the minute somebody shoots somebody – there's a call for gun bans, 
gun legislation, and Dave and I have talked about this, and we agree that we need to keep guns out of the hands of people with mental problems, younger people. We need the national red flag laws. High capacity magazine rifles should not be allowed in the hands of everyday people. There are hunting rifles that are fine. Shotguns, okay, they're used for sport. People do not need to have an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine. I am a gun owner. I have a carry permit, and I do. And I am in favor of making it more difficult to get a gun. 30-day waiting period, I have no problem with that. You need to also put some restrictions on private sales. That's where a lot of this crap goes on. My 18-year-old was able to get an AR rifle at a gun show from a private dealer without having to go through a background check. These are the loopholes that need to be closed. You can still have your Second Amendment, but it has to be done in a responsible way. And again, like Howard Bryant, Liam Hendricks started off this interview, this little anti-gun rant, making sense like you just did. But then he started to compare America to Australia. And of course, we know Australia they took went the extreme off the freaking rails. Buyback, took guns away from everybody. Here's the quote that makes, in my opinion, Liam Hendricks a dumbass. Protection isn't a good enough reason to own a gun. Mm, no, not buying it. I don't know that I can call him an outright dumbass, but it's borderline. Yeah, you probably need to see the whole interview. Probably. The whole two or three minute discussion. But did you know that there was a shortage on three-inch PVC pipe in Australia for a while when they were doing the buybacks? Why, pray tell? Because people were keeping their guns, putting them in said PVC pipe, sealing them up and burying them. Oh, that doesn't shock me. That doesn't shock me at all. Doesn't shock me at all. Finally, lighten it up a little bit for the last one. So I'm like, I've got three and then I got one maybe right now, right? Yep. All right. I think I think this is a slam dunk. The LA Dodgers through one of their food vending companies employ a gentleman named Roger Owens. Roger Owens is famous for tossing bags of peanuts to the crowd. He's been doing this since 1962. He has appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, the good version. He's an institution at Dodger Stadium, is what you're saying. He's been told by the food vending company, you cannot throw the peanuts anymore because of public safety issues. Oh, bull crap. They've tried to do this twice before. That is in absolute the, once in the 70s, garbage. Once in the 80s, and there was a public outcry. That is garbage. Where they rescinded it the ban. So we shall see what happens here. This is the third time. That food vending company 
they're dumbasses if they're doing this to this guy. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're definitely doing it. They are it's just a matter of an utter is there going to be enough public outrage? Oh you know, my God, that is people protesting. A, I know it's peanuts, literally, figuratively peanuts. But come on, that is issues, so damn stupid. Again, this is where I come back to when I talked about bubble wrap earlier in the show. Why don't we just wrap ourselves all up in bubble wrap? Because we we could get hurt doing this. We could get hurt doing that. We can get hurt. Peanuts could hit us in the face and, and take out our eye. God damn it. Sounds like our parents back in the 70s. You're don't sh- run with scissors. Hey, let's go back to a Christmas story. Yeah. You want a BB gun? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. There is inherent danger in everything. You've got to minimize the risk, but you're never going to get rid of the risk You're completely. in danger of drowning or choking to death sitting on your couch watching TV, drinking a sip of water. You probably got more of a chance with a peanut of choking, like Dave said, at home on your couch than you do of this guy hitting you in the face with a bag of peanuts. And doing damage. Doing physical permanent damage. This is the world we live in. So I get this one, right? You I got get this that one. one. All right, four four out of five with a maybe. That's pretty good. I did pretty let's, good. Let's call it a four and a half. Yeah. I knew. I know where your heart is with the White Sox. And I, I know you need to see, I need to see Liam Hendricks and what he said. I just thought the, quote, protection isn't a good enough reason to own a gun. That's a little extreme. That's, yeah. I, I've got issues with that. All right, what we don't have issues with is the weekend edition coming up this Saturday, kids. You need to listen to Dave and I as we review the final episodes of Stranger Things, Season 4. We review Fozzie's Boombox, along with some hard, hard hitting singles from Megadeth, Ozzy Osbourne, and Ugly Kid Joe. Yep, good stuff. I got a movie review for you. Good for him because I don't have one this week. Yeah, well, I took one. It's payback week, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you don't miss the weekend edition where Dave and I talk about all things entertainment and Hollywood, music, movies, TV, and streaming. Of course, dumbasses. A plenty this week. We might have even more this week on the weekend edition than we have, like you just heard here, on the regular Sports Friends. Yeah, I think it's a cumulative thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just disgusting. Again, Hollywood level. These people in Hollywood have lost their minds, and I will say what I always say over and over again: When did they get their PhDs in political science? When did they get their PhDs in socialism? Or so? When did they believe that people actually give a shit what they believe in? Because you put a camera in their face and they can't stop talking and yapping and they let all the idiocy spew from their mouths. Yep. Stay tuned. We got it covered for you. Talk to you next week. He's a conquistador. He's the maestro. See you, kids.